Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Kyle Merber here, joined by Noah Drotti, known probably primarily for being a good marathoner, but more importantly, the announcer of this year's D3 and Subway Cross Country Championships. I just wrapped up doing the D1 broadcast, and I thought it'd be fun to sit down, compare and contrast the differences, have a little opportunity for you to tell me about what happened at D3 Nationals. I, I did watch your broadcast, but... I think that you could probably speak to it better than I could. And ultimately, everyone always gets angry at the lap count newsletter during a Sibley Championship weekends because I don't give D2, D3, and AIA coverage, quite the coverage that I give D1 Nationals. And so you are the ambassador there to tell us everything, but also tell us why we should. So Noah, thanks for on a whim sitting down and having this conversation. Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. I hope I do the D3 world uh, justice here in, in pleading our case. I mean, to be honest with you, I forget that D1s happens every year because we're so plugged into the D3 universe that I actually haven't even watched the full D1 races yet. Um, so we, we're kind of coming at it from opposite perspectives because they're not always on the same day. I think sometimes D1s is a day or two later, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm always so plugged in with D3s that I forget it happens. You saying that, I feel like the hot girl at the bar talking to some guy in a fedora. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Of course you want me. Um, and he's like, no, I'm not interested. You're not my type. I'm like, but I'm a hot girl. You, you must. Uh, so, but, but are you hot enough? Yeah. Nice little yeah. neg to start it out. Get us on yeah. an even playing field. Uh, no chips on your shoulder. <laughs> so, all right. So I just watched your broadcast. And my immediate reaction is, man, you guys had to do it with like bare bones compared to the way ESPN had set it up for me. Very, very easy. I would say this is now my second year doing the D1 broadcast. And now that I've been through it, I feel like I was a lot more prepared, but then like just so cushy compared like you guys didn't even get flown there. Uh, no, we were flown to Indianapolis and so we were doing it live out of a broadcast room. And so we were just getting the video feeds onto monitors in front of us, but no, we were not on site, unfortunately. All right. So overall D3 glory days stepping in to take on quite an undertaking. Why, why are you doing this? Like what's the, the the D3 glory days, like you guys are so committed. It just seems like you really, really love it. But like the audience can't possibly be the same as what a D1 glory days podcast would be. Obviously you're a D3 guy, but I guess speak to like all the effort, man. What's, what's it, what's it for? That's a good question. I mean, first I want to give my, my co-founder, co-host Stu Neustadt a lot of credit because he's definitely the driving force behind the podcast. You know, a lot of the passion um, comes from him and, uh, you know, I'm perfectly happy to ride along his coattails. So a lot of what people see on social media and the website is, is of his making. And so, um, but 
to your point about audience, you know, I, maybe we can talk off air, like <laughs> compare like su- subscriber numbers and stuff, but I I'm always consistently surprised by how large our audience is because we are the only entity covering a lot of this stuff. And the division three world is huge. I mean, there are so many division three schools and for a long time, there was so much hunger to to have somebody covering division three. And so I think the fact that we're doing it and if I can say doing it well, um, it, it brings that audience. And so sure, it's a it's a niche, but it's a pretty large niche. And I think we've done a pretty good job of exploiting content there. I think the thing that characterizes D2, D3, NAIA athletes is the fact that they're super, super passionate about running in a way that differs a little from D1 athletes. And we you can maybe speak to it otherwise, but I always see the D3 kids as the guys who are going to keep running guys and gals who are going to keep running well after college. Like they love it. And that's why they're going to the smaller schools oftentimes out of high school, because they want to have that opportunity to keep running. And it's like way more passion rather than just, Oh, I'm, you know, the best at this and there's a scholarship on the line. So I might as well go do it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's kind of the underlying ethos of of the Division Three athlete. And I don't want to like the more I think about it, I'm like, am I comparing this to like amateurism and professional sports or something? But I mean, there. So I, I ran Division Three, right, and now I run on a professional team with mostly Division One guys, and and so we'll be on runs, and they'll sometimes complain like, oh, we only got six pairs of shoes or like sometimes they didn't have the spikes that I wanted. And I have to like remind them that they're, Hey, there's athletes who are taking, who aren't ever flying to races. They're always taking buses. They they're not getting any kind of per diem ever. They're paying for all their own shoes, all their own equipment. At the end of the season, they're turning in the jerseys and the shorts. They're turning everything back in. And so I think there is this like chip on the shoulder D3 mentality of like, you know, sure. Were we good enough to get D1 scholarships coming out of high school? No. And no one's going to lie to you and say that. But once you're all, you, once you are at a D3 institution, you're doing it primarily out of the, out of the love of running. There's no, <laughs> there's no perks, uh, which is one reason I think D3 athletes make great post-collegiate runners. But like how much of that actually matters, you know, whether or not you're getting your uniform back or getting to keep it. I mean, I think of it from my transition from Columbia to Texas. When I was at Columbia, you had to make your own ice bath. Like you had to drag the buckets of ice over. And then in Texas, you had your choice of like which jacuzzi and which temperature tub do you want to go into? It was like a spa. And it's not like I ran any better. I actually ran worse. So, I mean, it's not how much of that stuff actually matters? And is it just a representation of talent differences and talent differences when you are 13 to 17 year old, not, you know, 18 plus. Yeah. I mean, does that stuff like, do the perks make you run faster? No, right. Like, no, they don't, they don't make you run faster, but I think it just kind of goes into that mentality of like, when you are aware that those perks are being administered somewhere and that you're not getting them, then you can kind of internalize that, use that as motivation and just be like, okay, we're, we're like the blue, everybody wants to be the blue collar hero. Right. And, and division three is kind of that, even though they all come from like wealthy families, it's, it's still like the blue collar, like mentality of, Hey, we can do this 
just off of passion and mileage. And then the the internet kind of changed D3 though a little bit because I feel like let's go back. I don't know how old the internet is. Let's call it 25 years. <laughs> and you were showing up to practice and you know the guys that you're running with or the girls that you're running with don't have the same accolades that you would at a D1 practice. And then you go to your conference meet and the national meet and you're not being exposed to people running quite as fast. They're not pushing you to the same level. You're not necessarily privy to what other people are doing to get D1 and national level times. But now with the internet, like the exposure is all there. You're fully aware and you have a better sense of what it takes. Do you think that there's any transition and maybe some of the reasons why we're seeing D3 athletes progressing and the top of the D3, like starting to have more competitive times on a national, you know, US level? Oh, for sure. I mean, the I mean, the Division Three ecosystem has gotten so much better just in the last few years. And it's something I ask people on our podcast a lot. It's, you know, are you following the other top men and women on Strava? Like, are you aware of what other people are doing? And they are. And not only those people, but just the amount of information that's available in general is huge. And, you know, I remember coming out of high school, I really had no idea what people were doing. And there was no way for me to follow other people's mileage if they weren't using the same online log that I was using. And so, you know, now the the top athletes are running over hundred miles a week, you know, in, in college training for an 8k. And for me, that's, in, that would have been insane, like actually insane. I didn't, I didn't know people ran that much. And so the knowledge base is there and they're definitely utilizing it. All right. Be honest on this question and you might get some blowback on this. Are the coach, is the coaching pedigree the same? Like are D3 coaches as good as D1 coaches? Is there a difference? Like, do you have to go to a D1 school to really get that exposure to the Mike Smiths of the world or do those coaches exist in D3? Because I mean, he's obviously not as good, right? Like I would assume yeah. someone at the University of Texas is getting paid way more. I would assume so too, but a lot of times D3 coaches are going to be your head coach for men's, women's cross country and men's and women's track. And so I think the pay for a division three coach, you know, can be decent because you're actually the head of everything. Mm -hmm. And um, whereas I think some D1 coaches are really just, just the men's head coach or just the women's head coach. Um, But I mean, there's amazing coaches in in D3. I was setting I, you I, up for this. Just yeah, saying, like I yeah, wanted you to the, say that. I don't know. They're, they're not good. They're bad coaches. That's what, you know, if you want to cancel your podcast, you could have said. Yeah. That. <laughs> no, I mean, I think if you look at the, the high end D3 programs, the coaching knowledge base, I, I think is comparable to, to any other division. I mean, another one cool thing about division three coaches is that a lot of them are, are, are institutions. They've been at their schools forever. I mean, yep. if you get a good D3 coaching job, a lot of these coaches will stay there forever. Um, and we've talked to a lot of them if you go back through our podcast catalog. And so the, the, you don't see a lot of coaching transfers at a lot of these great programs. And so they have that historic base at their schools. They have the knowledge base and they get to know the student athlete at that particular school very well. It's funny. I have a friend who's been a coach for a long time at a, a small school. And as you said, like he's now part of the institution. And every now and then I know he gets antsy to like consider going to D1. 
And it's like, why? So you could like jump around every two years yeah. and like move around and like just join the rat race. It just seems like such a better life as a coach, you know, with a family to be part of a D3, you know, family and have that consistency. You're not necessarily flying, as you said, to every single meet. It's a little bit more local and seems more sustainable. Yeah. And I ask coaches that too, you know, I'll ask them like, Hey, you've won 13 national championships. Like what keeps you at Wartburg? You know, when, when I know you've had D one offers and, and they'll say just like, you know, I have this office of my family's here. Like the yeah. whole, the whole institution supports me. And I basically know that I can stay here as long as I still enjoy it. And so they become part of the fabric of the program. All right. So break me down the results from this week a little bit again, like I watched, but how big of a deal was, you know, the winners with any big major surprises? Yeah, no, no huge surprises. I mean, both races, men's and women's played out pretty similarly where you saw one breakaway leader win by a large margin. And that, that was Ethan Gregg and Fiona Smith. Um, and, and that was expected. Ethan Gregg is like a really cool story. He runs the same way in every race, just off the front as hard as he can for as long as he can. And it hasn't always worked for him. I mean, last year at cross country nationals, I think he was fourth or fifth, something like that. Um, but now that some of those other athletes have moved on from D3, he's the top guy and his strategy, uh, nobody could touch him. He was, he was alone from one K on same deal with Fiona Smith. She ran under 20 minutes for the third time this season and broke Missy Buttry's championship record, um, over six K. And so individually, those performances were, um, were amazing. And on the team side, we saw really close margins of victory and really close margins on the podium. We saw Pomona Pitzer win the men's championship by one point, 158 to 159 over lacrosse, which, uh, I mean, we saw that in D1s too, but the one point differential is just- You had to you, wait you so just, long for the results, oh, huh? Yeah, we, we can talk about that in, in just a second. Um, and then in the women's race, we saw, I think it was seven points- um, let me see if I can pull it up here real quick, but I think it was a seven point differential between first and fourth. And so Carlton scored 151 and then CMS scored 158. And so that's the narrow, that's the tightest margin on the podium in championship history. So they were both really exciting races, which was, was kind of difficult to communicate during the broadcast, but in hindsight, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You guys were standing around for a while waiting. Um, and, you know, maybe that's, as I was saying before, like the advantages of doing the ESPN broadcast and like all the bells and whistles, the live updates that we had and how quickly we knew the final scores and everything. I mean, last year there was the tie and, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we have some experience in having to figure this stuff out, but ultimately it seemed like good, good races. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, those winners, are you thinking like, the second they graduate, if they have the opportunity to go on and join a professional group, like they're, they've got the abilities to go to the next level. I think so. Um, I, I know for sure that that's what Ethan Gregg wants is to run professionally. And, you know, he's, he's training like a pro now he's, he's been doing over a hundred miles a week. He trained in Boulder this summer. Um, 
and so, but if you get him in a cohesive group, like he's got a lot of talent. Um, I, th- I need to ask Fiona Smith if running professionally is something that she wants. Um, but if she wants to, I mean, she qualified for nationals as an individual. There's nobody on her team, you know, all respect to them, but there's nobody on her team that can train with her. Um, and so the, the sky is the limit for somebody like that. Cause she's never really been tested. She won every race she did this year. She won nationals by a minute. I mean, there, there's nobody pressing her. Um, and we've seen athletes like on the women's side, like Cassie Parker, who was doing the same thing, winning races by large margins. She signed a contract with Hanson's and just started her professional career, but we're seeing more and more, D3 athletes in the professional ranks, Aiden Ryan, who did a year at Washington is now in Atlanta. Uh, Annie Rodenfels, who just won the 5k championships is, is doing amazing. Matt Wilkinson, who did a year in D1s is now at dark sky. And so it's a pretty clear pathway now for the top end D1 guys to, to go pro, I think in a way that I wasn't aware of when I was trying to do it. Uh, but we're seeing more and more in the professional ranks. So the, I guess the fun question is what place do they come in at D one nationals? And I think we kind of had that opportunity this year. Yeah. Alex Phillip. So two time NCAA champion while at John Carroll, uh, using some eligibility at UNC now post-graduation goes in, finishes 17th for a strong UNC squad. Is that kind of a fair assessment to say generally, winners of D3 nationals could slide in and get a top 20 finish. I guess he does have a little bit more training under his belt since a year ago, but is that, you know, a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, then we saw Ella Baron for CU finish 27th. Um, so also up there, top runner for CU, I think. Um, I mean, we saw Aiden Ryan run 353 in his fifth year in D1s. And so I, I think it's pretty clear now to the, it should be clear to people that the high end top two, top three in division three should be able to slot in just about any, any D one program and not to make this about me or whatever, but I remember like looking back in the day in college and my senior year, I'd be like plugging in and it was a big deal for me when I realized I could probably be in a scoring five for most D1 schools. And I thought that was really cool. But now we're seeing D1 athletes actually finishing in all American positions, which are are you aware of the tradition where D1 champions used to be flown into the D1 cross country race? No. Okay. So that I forget what year this happened, what year this stopped uh, before I was in school, but traditionally the winner of division threes, which would happen on a Saturday would get an invite into the D one cross country championship meet, which on would Monday. happen on Monday. And there's at what least an unfair one. Advantage. Is that crazy? <laughs> and so there's at least one or two division three champions that finished all American spots in the D one race, um, two days after their own national championship. And so we'll have to maybe d- dive into the history of that separately but but i thought that was really cool and we talk about it a lot um and so now especially with covid fifth years and stuff it it's kind of the closest thing we're getting to that is seeing d3 talent in d1 now they got to bring that back um yeah who would who's after party do you think would be more fun a d3 teams or a d1 team i mean you think of the money behind d1 all that extra per (laughs) diem 
you know, the travel money, the NIL deals, like they're, they're not, they're not, you know, short for cash to really go all out, but who's yeah, party but, would be better. But ca- I mean, obviously cash is not the most important ingredient in, a, in an after party. And having the been, is. Yeah. <laughs> having been to my fair share of division three after parties, it's hard, it's hard to imagine anything really eclipsing that. All right. Well, no, thanks for hopping on and talking me through this. Um, look, I always say, you know, college athletics is the the top of the funnel in order to get people into the professionals, right? Like how do we keep them engaged? You know, have them while they're young and interested in the sport, but then after they graduate, we don't want to lose them. So, you know, that's, that's on us. We got to keep uh, D2, D3 athletes engaged and keep talking. And maybe that's by starting to cover them a little bit more. Yeah. And I, I hope we're doing that on our show. And I, I think people are really responding with enthusiasm to the coverage we're providing and the stories we're able to pull out because yeah, it just not something that was being covered before. And so I hope by putting a spotlight on it, people stay engaged through their college careers, but also they'll want to follow these athletes as they turn pros and following the teams they join. And I know we're both, uh, both passionate about growing that side of the sport too. All right. Thanks. Noah. Listen more D3 Glory Days podcast with Noah and Stu over and out. Yeah.